excited about getting into the Word with you guys this morning. We use these weeks of Advent to look forward to the arrival of Jesus, the Messiah, the Christ, the light of the world. We celebrate this time. Advent is a season of, of expectation. And so I'm glad that you're here with us this morning as we embark on this journey. This is a journey that began more than 2,000 years ago. It's a journey of the heart, a journey of the soul. It's a journey that we will realign our expectations and and experience the Christmas season together. It's a journey this morning to the newborn king. That's what we're journeying to these next few weeks. It's a journey toward the hope and the joy and the love and the peace that the Christ child came to give us. Because we all know that we all need hope in storms and in seasons of life. We need hope. We need love that never leaves or never gives up. We need joy in our journey. We need peace no matter what we're facing or dealing with. And so this Advent season, as we embark toward the newborn king, I want to encourage you all of all of us this morning to look towards the manger, to look toward the king that was laid in swaddling clothes, look at towards, look at, gaze towards this newborn king. It's a season of journey. So we pursue, we we begin to ponder, we celebrate, we breathe deeply, we turn our eyes to the Christ child and to the true meaning of this time of year. And we know this is a season that can become so hectic and so, so busy and so stressful and we feel like we've got to do this and we've got to do that and we've got to get here and we've got to go there and we've got to drive down to airport and figure out which lane we're supposed to be in. It gets crazy this time of year. But no matter where you find yourself today, church, you're invited to journey toward this newborn king. Think about all the people who were part of that journey that first Christmas, the Mary, Joseph, the innkeeper, the jealous king, the wise men, the shepherds. They didn't have all the answers, but they had hope. You may not have all the answers this morning. You may feel like you have more questions than answers, but I want to tell you, if you'll look at the newborn king, there's hope there. There is hope in Jesus. So as we begin this journey to the newborn king, this journey to the manger, I just want to invite you to say yes to this journey, to say yes to to spending time over these next four weeks of seeking out the newborn king, of looking for hope and peace and joy and love and allowing the season of Advent to cause you to slow down because we all know that we need to take a breath. say yes to this journey? Will you peer through the darkness of your life, no matter what you may be facing, and will you look for the glimmer of hope? Will you step toward the light? Will you journey toward Bethlehem, drawn by that hope and that love and that joy and that peace? It may be difficult for you. That may seem like a difficult task or a difficult ask this morning. Maybe your night seems cloudy. Maybe your Christmas season is already overwhelmed by any number of struggles or financial stresses or relational dysfunctions or memories of loss or expectations that you don't feel like you can keep up with. We have all been there. Every one of us have been there at some time or another. Maybe even you this morning are there now. But let me encourage you that it's even in the darkness that light shines talk to you this morning about a promised hope, this hope, this promised hope. So today we began our Advent service, we began our Advent season by lighting the first candle of Advent. It's that candle of hope and the candle reminds us of the 
Messiah, a Savior, a Deliverer. This candle reminds us of the promise that was fulfilled at the birth of Jesus, and it also invites us to look forward into the hope of the day of Christ's return, his second advent, when all of the promises that were initially fulfilled at his birth will be completely fulfilled at his return. You think about it this morning, it's entirely appropriate for Jesus Christ, who is the hope of the world, to have come first as an infant, because babies seem to be hope personified. They are pure potential. They have all their life ahead of them. Is there a mother and a father who hasn't looked at the face of their newborn baby and wondered, well, I wonder what this child will accomplish. I wonder what they're going to become. I wonder how they're going to look and what they're going to do. I just hope that they follow Jesus. There's so much potential, so much hope when we look at the newborn baby. But Mary had even more than this usual maternal pride to justify having great hope in her son because she had been visited by an angel whose name was Gabriel who gave her a promise in Luke chapter 1. He said this, now listen, you will conceive and give birth to a son and you will name him Jesus and he will be great and will be called the son of the most high and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and his kingdom will have no end. His kingdom will have no end. This is a promise. This is the hope that this that this young woman would give birth to a king. That's what the angel told her, that you are going to give birth to a king. She had a great hope. This promise of the angel to to Mary echoed the prophecy of Isaiah that was given seven centuries earlier. Isaiah chapter 9. I want to read just from verses 6 and 7. We heard from 9 this morning, but it says this, for a child will be born for us, a son will be given to us, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God. Eternal Father, Prince of Peace, the the dominion will be vast, and its prosperity will never end. He will reign on the throne of David over his kingdom to establish and sustain it with justice and righteousness from now on and forever. The zeal of the Lord's armies will accomplish this. It was a promise of this king through Isaiah who would rule and reign, and Gabriel delivers this message to Mary of this king that this woman who wasn't anything to be known, but the Lord had chosen her. And not only that, but Moses, but, but Joseph, Mary's, who went to be Mary's husband, had also received the promise in Matthew chapter 1, verse 20 and 21. An angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you're to give him the name Jesus because he will save people, save his people from their sins. In other words, church, when Jesus was born, God made it clear that this baby was the one for whom the world had been waiting, watching since that first man and woman had been driven from the Eden. A savior would come, a deliverer would come, this king would come. And so what joy it must have filled Mary and Joseph's heart as they looked down at their tiny son, this newborn baby wrapped in blankets, wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in an ordinary manger filled with straw surrounded by cows and sheep and oxen. What hope they had knowing that the child was the one in whom all of God's promises would be fulfilled. Listen to me, church. You may feel like in this day, in this moment, in this season of your life, you're in a stable. You're just surrounded by sheep and oxen and cows, and nothing looks right. Nothing looks like hope. Nothing looks like kingdom. Nothing looks like promise. Nothing looks like the king is here. But in the middle of your manger, in the middle of your stable, in the middle of cows 
and sheep and animal dog, there is a king. And there is hope for you. You look around and it doesn't look like hope until you gaze at the manger. Jesus is a, is a faith that looks forward to the future. It's a faith that looks forward to the time when God's promises will be fulfilled. And that was true for God's people prior to Christ's birth. They looked forward to this birth, this promised Messiah. It was true for Mary and Joseph as they looked down into the manger with this baby.
that's the question for you this morning. How do we, how do we maintain, how do we sustain hope in the midst of disappointment and difficulty? How do we keep from being completely overwhelmed by trials and pain? How do we maintain an attitude of hope when everything in us wants to yield to despair? When we can't see a way out and we we can't see a way up and we just want to lay lay down and throw in the towel and, and give up. How do we persevere? I think this is an important important word for us this morning. Persevering. Oftentimes when we feel like the journey is hopeless, we start at the in our church. We've all faced situations where it feels like, you know what, maybe it's maybe, maybe, maybe it's time to give up. Maybe it's financial stress or medical situations. answer, but too often we are willing to seek help from anything and anyone and whatever before we turn to God for our hope. He often becomes this last resort, this last appeal. After we've exhausted everything else, then we we turn to God and we, we ask for him to help. And so listen, this is what we do. If the problem is financial, we don't look to God first. We go to the banker or maybe rich uncle or we rack our brains of trying to figure out any way we can to get our hands on more cash. If the problem's relational, maybe it's a conflict with a spouse or with a family member, what we'll do is often we'll buy them books on marriage or we'll send them articles that we found online or tell them to listen to this podcast.
what the psalmist is saying this morning. Is he saying that kings shouldn't have large armies and that their warriors shouldn't ride on horses? No, he's not saying that. That's not what he's saying. That's not the message. That's not the point. He's saying that even if a king has a large army, a well-equipped army, it cannot guarantee success. He's saying that, that if the king relies on that for victory, if his hope is in his army and his horses and his warriors, he'll be defeated. Our hope is not in what we see or what we can accomplish or what we can fashion with our own hands. Our hope is in God. And when we place our hope in God, it pleases him and he delights in rescuing those who place their hope in him. The psalmist says his eyes are on those who fear him, on those who hope in his unfailing love to deliver them. He becomes their help. He becomes their shield. He is more valuable to them than 10,000 warriors. Listen, I'm not saying don't go to the doctor when you're sick or don't go to the bank when you need money or that you shouldn't see a counselor to help you work out conflicts in your marriage or a therapist to help you with your mental health. I'm not saying that you don't do those things. I'm saying that you don't put your hope in those things. Your hope is in God. He may use a doctor. He may use a banker. He may use a counselor. He may use a therapist, but your hope is in him, not them. You don't trust in the doctor to take care of you. You trust in God to care for you through the doctor or through any other means. It's not the size of the king's army that matters. It's not the size of your wallet or the skill of your doctor or the insight of your counselor that matters. What matters is whether you are placing your hope and your trust in God. When you're in a situation where your hope is running low, what do you do, Mark? and plans and strategies? Is that your go-to? Where in that process does prayer come in? Where in that process does
he says this, then you will know that I'm the Lord. Those who hope in me will not be disappointed. Lamentations 3.25, the Lord is good to those who hope is in him, to the one who seeks him. Psalm 147.11, the Lord delights in those who fear him, who put their hope in his unfailing love. Now hear this, it doesn't mean that God's goodness and God's wisdom are always immediately evident. Sometimes it's only by looking back in retrospect that we see how God has been caring for us and providing for us and keeping us and protecting us and directing us. Sometimes we're right when we are right in the thick of things. We don't see any evidence of God working at all. Especially when, when you're in seasons of, of stress and hopelessness. Where do we get the faith to persevere? Well, we get the faith to hope in God. It's not a trick question. We get the faith to hope in God from God himself. When we will go to him, he will meet us. And he will give us the faith we need to continue persevering and to continue hoping. Romans 15, 13 says this, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Did you hear that? That you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's power gives you hope to persevere. The Holy Spirit's power gives you hope to press on. The Holy Spirit's power comes near to you so that you don't give up, so that you keep going, so that you keep stepping and keep walking and keep journeying because God has good for his people. The promises of God are yes and amen for his people. He has a good and a perfect plan for your life. The power of God in the Holy Spirit gives you the hope to keep He is a God of nearness and hope. And he will fill you with all joy and with all peace as you trust him. You've heard the old song, I, I, I hope, maybe, maybe not. The longer I serve him, the sweeter he grows. And the, the longer I trust him, the more love he somethings. surrounded by darkness, even the smallest amount of light makes a difference. 
suddenly looks much brighter than the surrounding darkness. A lot of times you'll hear folks or you'll read or hear people say the knowledge of the darkness is lack of faith. Isaiah talked about this coming light and this present darkness and that the darkness continued to grow through centuries. Isaiah 9-2 read this morning, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light on those living in a land of deep, deep darkness, a light has dawned. This morning you may feel like you are like those people of Israel walking in a great darkness. in the Isaiah, they were spoken long, centuries before Jesus was born. The people of Israel lived in that space between the promise and the fulfillment. Let me say that again. The people of Israel lived in that space between the promise and the fulfillment. Looking back, it's easy for us to see how that, that first Passover, how God spared the firstborn sons of, of uh, of Israel, how God freed them from slavery. It's easy to see how that pointed us to the Passover lamb of Jesus. But see, the people of Israel didn't have that hindsight. They didn't have the benefit. They were just desperate for a deliverer. They were desperate for a king. Many of them had thought that God had forgotten them, especially as they lived under Roman oppression. But they lived in this season between the promise rescue us except God. But we can find and continue to draw hope knowing that Jesus entered into our darkness that first Christmas for us. Maybe God has promised something to you, a person, and you, you believe that God has spoken this into your life, that God has said a word over your life, that God has promises for to fully understand. You live between the season of the promise and the fulfillment.
Advent is a time of waiting. We don't like waiting. Here, there is a great benefit to embracing this season of waiting as we anticipate the coming of Jesus. As the waiting reminds us we are forgiveness. It allows us time to refocus and endure the distant and troubling reminder that rain is coming. of waiting and journeying seem different. One of them seems to involve sitting around and doing nothing, and the other one seems to involve movement. But the concept of waiting in the Bible, the concept of waiting in Scripture, is an active waiting. They wait, we wait with expectant hearts, constantly moving forward the journey one step that active waiting means to be present fully to the moment in the conviction that something is happening where you are and that you want to be present in this moment. Let me read it again. Active waiting means to be fully present to the moment in the conviction that something is happening where you are and that you you want to be present. What does that mean? It means that you may not see it at the moment. You may not see the thing that's happening in the moment, but you're hopeful in the waiting because something is happening even that you don't see. That's an excellent description of Advent. Active, present in the moment, anticipating where we are going. It's not easy, it's courage. Psalm 31, 24 says this, be strong and take heart. Sometimes that even those of us who hope in the Lord, there are times of weakness and despair. Even those of us whose faith and confidence in the Lord go through seasons of weakness and despair. So the psalmist encourages us today, be strong and take heart. All you who hope in the Lord. Why? Because the Lord will keep his promise. What does that look like in real life? says, therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed in his coming. Hope is about waiting, but it's a waiting that involves a commitment to the present in our journey toward obedience. And it's a journey that is not so much about our is about this heavenly deadline that we have to get prepared. 
about recognizing that God's timing is perfect. In this world, Jesus said, you'll have trouble with me. Eventually, yes, I have to do it. Lamentations 33, 21 through 26 says this. Yet this I call to mind and think, for I have done wrong. If you've never read Lamentations 3, it is a very hard to read chapter of the Bible. There's death, there's famine, there's sorrow. It is full of despair. But the writer gets to verse 21 and says, yet this I call to mind. I say the Lord is my portion. Therefore, I will delight and hope in him. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the person who seeks him. It's good to wait quietly for salvation. You may have to wait, but you don't have to wait at all. You may have to wait, but you don't next four weeks as we journey toward Christmas, we Advent together, we wait together 
encourage you to be intentional about spending time with the Lord every day. Spending time with the Lord in prayer and in scripture. And so I have selected an Advent devotional that I would like you guys to pull with me. I'll share the link on our Facebook page and I'll share the link on our in our Faith Life Church app. share that. I'll share that as a public link so that we can read it together, do it together, maybe even encourage one another, share scripture or share prayer requests or praises or thoughts as we read through that. But be intentional this Advent to wait expectantly. It's so easy to let this season go by and us be so busy that we season draw us closer to him. There are so many trappings that want us to push us away from the banquet. Take time to draw closer to the king. To this Emmanuel, God with us. Again, I'll share that on our Facebook page so that everyone's able to access that. Also want to remind you this morning of a couple of things. 